Thank you so much for visiting us online today. We believe God wants to speak to you through the following message. If you would like to connect with us or send us your prayer request, visit us at kingsgatehobs.com. On the way here, um, I met him outside and I was like, I'm not sick, I promise. I just have a lot of mucus. It just, it is what it is, right? It's, it's weird. This year has been a weird year for me. Um, somebody asked me today and said, you sound sick. You sound nasally. I'm like, no, I've been like this for three weeks. I'm not sick. I promise I'm not sick at all. So don't worry about it. If I sound a little nasally, I'm just going to sound nasally. So, all right. So last week we discussed, well, let me, let me say this first. Some of you may not know me. So I'm a teaching pastor here. I reside back in the back uh, with Matt there. Matt, you can say hi there. Um, we run the sound portion of the service. Okay. So um, you don't get to see a lot of us uh, a lot of the times because we're back there and we're working on sound and so on. But I am a teaching pastor here, okay? So um, I wanted to introduce myself so that way you didn't just think, oh, who is that guy up there just teaching, right? Um, so that's who I am, and welcome. I welcome you. Welcome everybody online. So having said that, uh, today's message is going to be Be the Answer. That's going to be the title, Be the Answer, okay? So we discussed last week. Let me actually start my timer, Okay. We discussed last week uh, about being different, right, and how and why that was important, being different. And we included three ways that would make a real difference in someone's life, that would make a real impact in your life on how to be different, right? Because what, what did we find out last week? That God called us to be set apart, okay? So in doing that, there are three things we decided, we talked about, that I, I talked to you about, that will really make a difference in your life. That you won't be the status quo. You'll be the Christian that's actually different, that's, that you're supposed to be. And the three things were examining yourself. The second thing was um, thinking differently. And then the third thing was doing the word, right? So examine yourself, think differently, do the word. Those are the three things. And I promise you, if you're going to, if you plan on, if you're already doing it, that's great. If you plan on doing it this year, I promise you, you will not be the same. I promise you that. You will change. You will become the Christian that God ha has destined you to be, okay? So having said that, if we're doing those things, we're already going to be acting as though we are set apart because God already created you to be that way. So remember that. You got you to gotta do your part in that, okay? Now, having said that, when it comes to being set apart, oftentimes we think that that means to be secluded from the world, Right? We think being set apart means I've got to be away from everybody. And that's not the case. So let's turn to John chapter 17, verse 15. This is Jesus talking, right? And he's, he's, he's actually praying. And he's praying on behalf of his disciples right here. He says, I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but to keep them, keep them safe from the evil one. So Jesus' prayer was, hey, don't take them out of the world, right? That was his prayer, Okay. So let's remember that. The next one we're going to turn to is Mark chapter 2, verse 13 through 17. Now, with me, you're always going to get a lot of scripture, okay? But we're going to always make it simplified. We're going to make it easy for you, okay? But you're going to get a lot of scripture. You're going to know your Bibles when we get through with this, all right? So Mark chapter 2, verse 13 through 17. This is Jesus talking. And he says, then, well, actually, this is a narrative. Then Jesus went out to the lakeshore again and taught the crowds that were coming to him. And we're going to just keep going on. As we walked along, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at his tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Levi got up and followed him. Later, Levi invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests, along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. Who are sinners? Unbelievers, right? 
many were, were many people of his kind amongst Jesus' followers. But when the teachers of religious law were with the with who were Pharisees saw him eating with tax collectors and other sinners, they asked him, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with such scum? <laughs> They're asking Jesus this. You imagine that? When Jesus heard this, he told them, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. I have come to, not, to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are not, right? Who know they are sinners, right? So that's what Jesus came for. He came to help them, right? So let's go on to one more scripture before we start. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 9 through 10. And I'm, I'm trying to show you a pattern here, okay? When I wrote to you, this is Paul talking now. Paul's writing to the Corinthian church. He says, when I wrote to you before, I told you not to associate with people who indulge in sexual sin. But when I, I wasn't talking about unbelievers who indulge in sexual sin or a greedy or a cheat or cheat people or worship idols. You would have to leave this world to avoid people like that. So this is Paul talking, right? And he's saying, hey, I wrote to you to abstain from this, these people, but I didn't write to you to abstain from the unbelievers, right? And right after that verse, in verse 11, I, I find this very interesting, right? We just read three scriptures in three different parts where he says, we're not called to be out of this world, basically, right? That's what it sums up to be. We're supposed to be in the world, right? What I find interesting in this verse, in verse 11, actually, Paul says, he says, the person I told you to not get around, to not associate with, he says this, I meant you are not to associate with anyone who claims to be a believer, yet indulges in sexual sin, or is greedy, or worships idols, or is abusive, or is a drunkard, or cheats people. Don't even eat with such a person. Isn't that interesting? We talk about being set apart, and the mindset is, is for Christians, for some reason, it's, I got to get away from them. And yet Paul is saying the person you need to get away from may be the person sitting in the pew next to you. Why? Because he calls himself a brother, but he lives like a sinner, openly, right? So those are the people that we have to not associate with, right? The people that are doing that purposely. But the unbelievers, we're not supposed to be that way. But oftentimes we use verses like 1 Thessalonians 5.22, abstain from the appearances of evil. We use those type of verses as a reason not to hang out with people, right? Uh, you know, I can't be around them. They're worldly. I can't go to that, that staff party over there because, you know, unbelievers, man, it might look wrong. We use excuses like that to not be around the world. We have to be around them, right? So I want to remind you of three things that become important in a Christian walk, that not only show that you are different, but helps others to be so too, right? You have to be that answer. You have to be their answer. And how can you be an answer if you're staying away from them the entire time, right? You're not going to reach them that way. You can't rely on a pulpit to do that. You can't rely on um, some video that's out there or whatever. We have to be that, right? And I'm going to show you. So, the first thing you have to do is you have to be a light of the world, right? You have to be a light to the world. You have to, right? Let's turn to Matthew chapter 5, verse 14 through 16. The Bible says this, you are the light of the world like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly father. 
I find that interesting. He says, let's go back to verse 14. You are the light of the world, a light, a, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. Cannot be hidden. We're not going to turn there, but in, in Romans chapter 1, Paul talks about how he's not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew and then to the Greek. This is Paul talking. He's saying, I'm not ashamed of it. I find that interesting because he wrote Galatians, the book of Galatians, I believe, first. And in there, he says, man, the people were talking about him. They said, isn't this the person who used to persecute the church, who tried to destroy the very faith that he's now preaching? That was in Galatians 1.23. Isn't that the guy, right? And you see later on when he wrote Romans, he's like, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Right? You ever been in that situation where you had to kind of like, you used to do something and then all of a sudden you, you used to say, don't do that, don't do that. And then now you do it, right? Well, Paul was bold. He's like, I'm not ashamed of what I'm doing here. This is the right thing. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. We have to be that way, right? Now, my question to you is this. And I'm speaking in generalities here. Why are we afraid to admit we follow Christ? Why are we afraid? What, are we afraid of how we're going to be treated, maybe? Maybe you're embarrassed, right? You ever been in a crowd and people ask you what you do? I, I love being in that situation, right? Pastor Matt, he's the same way. We're all, we're all the same way. They ask me, what do you do? Well, I'm a pastor. I have no quarrels about it, no embarrassment about it. I preach the gospel. That's what I do. Are we embarrassed? Because I, I tell you one thing, you're not the cool kid on the block anymore when you become a Christian, right? <laughs> no one looks to you and says, man, that, that guy, let's just be around that guy, right? No one just does that. They're not going to call you up and say, hey, would you come over with us? <laughs> They're not going to do that, right? So maybe is, it, is are you embarrassed for some reason, right? And I'm talking in generalities. Perhaps sometimes we don't tell other people we're Christians because we want to be low key and we want to kind of do what they do. A lot of Christians do that. They don't want to say they're Christian. Why? Because they know there's a standard that comes along with that. And if they say they're Christian, they can't go and do this and go and do that and go and do this with them. Right? So they just keep it under wraps. Right? And then sooner or later you hear the dreadful, infamous, I didn't know you were Christian talk. Right? Oh, that's the worst. That, is, that really is the worst. Right? For me, at least, that's my opinion. So... We cannot be hidden. We cannot be hidden. We shouldn't be hidden. And I, I beg the question this. If people around you don't know you're a Christian, maybe, just maybe, that's on purpose. Right? Because if you, take for, take for instance a lamp. If this whole room was completely shut down, there's no light in here, and you turn a lamp on, you're going to see it. There's no way around it. You're going to see it unless What? unless you put something over it on purpose and hide it, right? Unless you put a sheet over it, something that darkens that light where no one can see it, right? We've all been there where um, you see a movie and they're trying to hide and they're, they're turning off the lights and they're covering them. Even some lights won't come off or whatever and they're just covering them with their shirt or whatever they can. That to me is, that to me is what tends to be happening when we go around and people don't know we're Christian. We're kind of hiding it and we shouldn't be. A city on a hilltop. You are a light of the world. You cannot be hidden. You cannot be. You have to be the answer. Turn to Matthew 28, 18 through 20. 
Matthew 28. Uh, let's see. Yeah, Matthew 28. 18 through 20. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commandments I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of age. So this is what we would call the Great Commission, right? Go and baptize people. Go and make disciples of all nations, right? Keep one thing in mind. The Bible was written to them. It was written to Timothy, to Titus, to everybody else, right? But it was written for you. You have to understand that. It's for you. So though Jesus is telling them them that, the disciples that, it's for us, right? And that's echoed in the New Testament anyways. If we look at 2 Corinthians 5.18, I don't know if I gave you that or not. Did I give you that one? 2 Corinthians 5.18. It says this, and all of this is a gift from God. This is Paul talking, right? And he says, who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to himself. So you see the great commission there. We are the the gap. We're the ones that are supposed to be bringing people in, helping. We have the ministry of reconciliation. It's the same thing Jesus told his disciples, right? So when we talk about being the light of the world, that is our job. We have to stand out. Go into all the world, right? Let's turn to Romans 10, 14. The Bible says this. This is a good one because we're going to, well, let's get there. Romans 10, 14. But how can they call on him to save them unless, now he's talking about Jesus. How can they call on him, Jesus, to save them unless they believe in him? How can they believe in him if they've never heard of him? And go on to the next verse. And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? Right? So who do you think is supposed to tell them? We are, right? We're supposed to be that bridge. We read in there, it says, we have the ministry of reconciliation, right? We're supposed to be there to help someone, right? You've heard the saying, I, I forget who it is, um, that says it. He says, uh, preach the gospel at all times and when necessary, use words. Yeah, I, I like that saying, right? It's a really cool saying. And partly it's true because it's getting at something specific, right? It's getting at do the word, yeah, actually do the part. That's what it's getting at. But it's not entirely true. Think about that. We just read the Bible says, Who can hear them if no one tells them? We know that the Bible says, don't just be a hearer of the word. Someone's got to hear it. Someone's got to say it, right? Be a doer. So we see in Matthew, actually, we see in Matthew 16, he states, let your good deeds be shown to all. He states that, right? We've already read that. And in Romans 10, 14, he says, you know what? How will anybody hear if no one's, no one's being sent? No one tells them. So now we see, we see both concepts. We, we see someone being told something, and then we see somebody, being, somebody actually doing those things that they're being told. Right? So we see hearing and doing in both, script, in, in both of those scriptures when we look at them. Right? So what does that mean? That means it is our job to go out and reach the people. It is our job to be a light of the world. It is our job to go out there and say, hey, 
I'm the answer. I'm not the one that's going to save you, but I'm the answer because I have the ministry of reconciliation. I can connect you to someone who has all of the answers, and that's Christ, right? That's our job. So you want to be different? You want to be the answer. You have to be a light of the world. You can't just be hiding, right? You, can no longer, you, you need to be outright with your Christianity. You really do. People should know on your block that you're the Christian. People should know at, at your job you're the Christian on staff, right? They really should know it. There's no need to hide it. There's no need to say, oh, you know what, I'll just show them. No, 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 don't just show them. That's good. You do need to show them, but also tell them, right? Tell them who you are. Make your stand. This is my line. I'm the light of the world, basically. We all are. We're the light of the world, okay? So make sure you're doing that. Make sure that this year as you're going along in your Christian walk, make sure that people know that. Not just to tell them that, but to tell them, to show them, hey, if you need something, I'm here, man. I got you. People call me and they'll text me, hey, would you pray for me? Hey, would you do this? Would you do that? People, I wouldn't think that would do that because I made a stand. And I said, nope, I'm a Christian. I'm a, I'm a Christian. I follow what my Bible says, right? I follow Christ. You got to be that person, okay? So make a stand. The second thing you got to do is you got to have urgency. Urgency, that's important. Urgency, right? We don't have enough urgency, and I'm saying that in generalities, Christians in most respect don't have urgency, and we need to. You have to know there isn't always a tomorrow. Do, do you really think about those type of concepts? There really isn't. There may not be a tomorrow for someone, right? It could end quickly. I'll give you an example. This is an example in my life. I, I don't know if I've told this story or not, but I, I remember I was in prayer one day. And God told me to go speak to a friend of mine. Uh, this was a lifelong friend. And we've known each other since we were little, little bitty boys. And we were now adults. I was 28 years old, 26 years old, something like that. And God told me, put him on my heart. And he says, go speak to this guy about the gospel. And that was what I was specifically going to do. I wasn't going to go to hang out. I wasn't going to do anything else. I was the type of guy that would go to your house and say, hey, man. And then start talking to him about God, about Jesus. I was that guy. That's probably why, like I said before, no one wanted to hang out with me, right? <laughs> so I was that guy. So my purpose in going to this person's house was to do what God told me to do. And that was go and reach out to him and talk to him about the gospel, right? So that was throughout the week God had told me. And I said, okay, no problem. I'm going to do it. So Saturday came. That Saturday came. And I went to his house, knocked on his door, and his wife answered. And I talked to her, and I said, hey, is so-and-so here and this and that? And she says, no, he's at work. I said, oh, he's at work. Yeah, he's at work. And he worked in the oil field. So you know how that goes. He's going to be home late. He's going to be tired and everything else. I said, okay. Well, just tell him I came by and I'll come by um, next week or so, right? Well, next week never came. I look at that and I look at myself and I say, I should have had the urgency. I look at that and I say, I should have came back the next day. I should have because I actually thought about it. I thought, well, I can come back tomorrow. But in my mind, I was like, ah, just give him some time. I'll come back next week. He died that week. And I thought, oh, it broke my heart. Because this was a lifelong friend. It broke my heart, right? We're not always promised tomorrow. That's the thing. Let's turn to 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 10. And we're going to see this here. But the day of the Lord will come as unexpectedly as a thief. And then the heavens will pass away with a terrible noise. And the very elements themselves will disappear in fire. And the earth and everything on it will be found to deserve judgment. Let's turn back to um, the, the first part of that verse. But the day of the Lord will come unexpectedly 
as a thief. Now, that means someone's going to be caught on surprise, by surprise, right? That shouldn't be you. And I want to clarify that. That should not be you. You should not be caught by surprise, right? We're not going to know the exact day. The Bible doesn't say that. The Bible says we, we actually won't know the exact day. But the Bible says we'll know the seasons, right? So we'll know. We'll, be, we'll, be, we'll know, okay, the seasons are here, right? The world will not. They will not know anything. It'll be as a thief in the night for them, right? Let's turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 4. And you say, well, how do you know that's just for the world? Well, we'll read it to you. But you aren't in the dark, and he's talking to believers. Paul's talking to the believers. He says, but you aren't in the dark about these things, dear brothers and sisters, and you won't be surprised when the day of the Lord comes like a thief. You read it yourself. You shouldn't be surprised. When God comes, you know what you should be doing? According to Romans chapter 8, verse 25, eagerly waiting with patience. That's what you should be doing. So we look towards the resurrection. We look for Christ to come. We're like, man, I can't wait, right? He says in verse 24 in Romans chapter 8, I didn't give you that, but he says, man, I can't wait to get my heavenly body, basically is what he's saying, right? So we eagerly but patiently wait. So we're not caught off guard, but they are. And if they are, then we ought to have more urgency because it's not just about me, right? I may be going to heaven, but I should be taking as many as I can with me, right? I shouldn't just be, oh, well, I made it. And good luck. and <laughs> see what y'all can do, you know. I got there first, you know, whatever. It should not be like that. In fact, if you're Christ's true follower, you should be reaching out. You should be the light of the world. There should be some urgency. You never know, especially now with this new thing coming on, right? There's Optimus Prime, what is that, Omnicron or something like that. That's out now, and there'll be another one. Next, next month, there'll be another one. In the following year, there'll be another one. There's always going to be another one, right? Now they got Flu-Rona, right? Flu and, and Corona mixed. Yeah, you, you, <laughs> they're going to have everything. Strep-Rona, they're going to have, you know, whatever you can think of, they'll have it. Um, but there's always going to be something, and there will be things that take people's lives. There will be. We got to have urgency. Let's turn to 2 Peter 3.9. If you'll put that up there. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 9. But the day of the Lord, oh, that's verse 10. There you go. The Lord isn't really being slow about his promises. He's talking about, now Peter's talking about why Christ has not come yet, right? And he says, the Lord isn't being slow about his promise, as some people think. No, he is being patient for your sake. He does not want anybody to be destroyed but wants everyone to repent that's why God hasn't come yet that's why the Lord hasn't come yet because he's being patient he wants everybody to be saved he wants everybody to be repent to repent that's what he wants and what does that mean let's turn to uh, verse 15 did I give you that one I think I did verse 15 same chapter the Lord isn't wasting time and remember, our Lord's patience gives people time to what? To be saved. You read it again. You read it in your own Bible. The Lord wants people to be saved. That's the whole purpose, right? So if that time is there for them to be saved, you ought to have urgency to reach out to them because that's why it's there, for them to be saved, right? Ephesians 5.16 says, make the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. 
You should be making the most of everything. So when I say you got to be the answer, you got to have some urgency. You got to start thinking tomorrow may not be there for my friend or for my brother or for my cousin or for anybody. Tomorrow may not be there for them, right? Don't go to bed thinking, I'll talk to them next week. You don't know if it's next week. You don't know if they'll be there. Have some urgency. The people that you haven't talked to, talk to. What are you waiting for? Are you waiting for the right time? Are you waiting for Christ to open up the door and um, come in and say, this is the light of the world, right? You, are you, we shouldn't be waiting for those things. We should just be approaching people and talking to them, right? Especially people we know. Take a stand. Do what's right. Reach out to them, right? So we got to be the light of the world, and we got to have some urgency when it comes to that. The lastly, the thing we have to do is we have to have an answer as to why you believe what you believe, right? Not only are you the light of the world, right? We're pointing people to Christ. We're the people that people are going to look to, right? We have to have urgency in pulling them out. I actually missed the scripture. In Jude 1.23, he says, rescue others by snatching them from the fire, right? So that's how bad it is. We should be thinking about rescuing others by snatching them to the fire, the flames of judgment, right? We should be doing that actively, and lastly, we should always have an answer as to why you believe what you believe. In 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15, I didn't give you that one. Um, would you put that up on the screen? 1 Peter 3, 15. Instead, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. And if someone asks you about the hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. Can you explain why you believe what you believe? If you're honest, can you? Do you know why you believe? Do you know why you've accepted Christ? Let me tell you something. It's not for money. You didn't accept Christ for money. You need to throw that out the window. It's not for material things. It's not for blessings, and it's not for health. It's not for a better life. It's not for 2022, it's going to be the greatest year of my life. It's not for those things. That's not why you accepted Christ, right? If it is, there's a problem. Those things, if you were hurting in those areas and that led you to Christ, great. There's nothing wrong in that, right? But those aren't the reasons why you should have accepted Christ. Paul talks about it, and he gives us small, well, I shouldn't say small. He gives us verse by verse as to why we accept Christ. You need Christ because you were a sinner. Simple as that. It comes down to that. You needed Christ because you were a sinner. Your righteousness, the best you can do on your best day, were filthy to God, right? Your sins were storing up wrath for you. That's what it's doing to the world. Storing up wrath for them. Paul states in Romans 7, 18 that nothing good lived in us. Nothing good. Paul states in seven, uh, Romans 7, 24, what wretched man that I am. Who's going to save me from this body of death? This is Paul talking, Right? And he's giving you a description of what's wrong on the inside. Let's turn to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. And this is, you're going to see why we need Christ here. Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins, you used to live in sin, just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. 
by our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. But God is so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by grace that you have been saved. That's why we needed Christ. He gave you a whole picture there. Because we were following the passions and the desires of our sinful nature. We were dead in our trespasses. We needed Christ because of that. So when somebody asks you, why do you believe in Christ? That's the reason. Turn them to, chapter, turn them to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 through 5. Take them through that. That's why we need Christ. It's not for anything else, right? Now, keep in mind this, though. You have to have an answer for why you believe what you believe. But keep in mind that you are also the answer. What I mean by that is this. You have an answer for them when it comes to bitterness, when it comes to unforgiveness, when it comes to um, wounds and hurts, anything like that. You have an answer. Why? Because you have the ministry of reconciliation. You're going to point them to Christ. That is the answer, right? So when I say always have an answer, always be the answer. Walk them through your experience. Walk them through Bible verses. Walk them through who Christ is in your life. Walk them through what Christ did for you in your life. All of those type of things. Always have an answer of why you believe what you believe. Don't ever be in a position where somebody asks you and you just don't know. That's not a good thing. You may be the very person that they look to and you don't know and you say, I don't know, and then they don't want an answer from anybody else. They're turned off by it, right? Always have an answer. So I'm going to stop there. I'm not going to go on. But nevertheless, when we talk about being the answer, you have to understand that you are the light of the world and you need to be that light. And point two, you have to have urgency. You can't just think about tomorrow is tomorrow you got to start thinking about today. Let's do it today. And lastly, always have an answer as to why you believe what you believe. So it's as simple as that. If you, if you follow those things, if you have those things in your heart, I think you're going to do well this year. So let's stand up and let's get into prayer. Father God, we just, we trust you today. And I, Father, I pray, Father, that you would give us an urgency, Father, in our life. Give us an urgency in our heart that God... We would no longer look at everybody as just people passing by. God, I pray, Father, that you would instill it on our heart and speak to us, God, that we would go to specific people whom you want us to preach to, whom you want us to talk to. And that, Father, you would give us the boldness and the courage to reach out to them, Father. And I pray, Father, that we would begin to make, draw a line in the sand and state, and state out blatantly. We're Christians and we're going to live the Christian life and we're not ashamed of the gospel of Christ and that's who we are and we're there to help people and I pray Father that every one of us become a light to someone this year. I pray Father that someone's able to look at us and say I came to Christ because you led me to Christ. I came to Christ because of the day you came and prayed with me. I came to Christ because of the time you spent with me. I came to Christ because you were there for me. I pray God that each and every one of us experience that this year, that we actually reach out and become a light to people. And God, I pray, Father, that none of us, including myself, none of us can sleep at night if you put somebody on our heart to go and speak to, that none of us would, would be able to close our eyes in peace and say, ah, I'm going to get some rest. I pray, Father, that we have an uncomfortable sleep until we go and do and obey what you say. I pray, Father, that 
You give us the words we need to speak, Father. As your word says, the Holy Spirit will give us what we need, the answers we need, the sayings that we need when it comes to us talking to people. I pray, Father, that we always have an answer to the questions that people have about Christ and about the Christian life. I pray, Father, that we take it upon ourselves, that we would learn and grow and read your word and allow it to change us so that we can have the answers that we need. I pray, Father, that this year is a different year. It's not a year focused on what I can get, Father, but it's a year focused on how we can obey you, how we can be better Christians, how we can become more like you in our thoughts, in our actions. I pray that it's like that this year, Father, that genuinely speaking, Father, we begin to bear good fruit in our life, fruit that would show that we are Christians. That's what I pray for us today, Father. I pray that and I ask.